Welcome to the Men Unite podcast and today's episode is sponsored by DRB Designs, Sitcom Soldiers Dion Company, Kamikaze Kickboxing and Champion Mindset Clothing. I'd like to introduce to you Nathan Eaney. Men Unite podcast with Bids and Monty. Start by saying, Mart, <laughs> that I am in this room the most unfit person. Sitting in front of you two. Well, you've got the brains. <laughs> oh. Mate, you, you, you look the part, you? You look, you look, yeah, like, you look, you look like you'd be fit. One you don't look unfit, yeah. man. To be fair, when I was younger, all I used to do was go to gym. Well, then I had kids. Yeah. Oh, and and then, all excuse. <laughs> <laughs> coming out, that's what it is. It's not, it's not, it's not that bad, but no, no, you look, you look in you good shape, man. Lot, no. You wouldn't say that <laughs> you're unfit. I'm not, I'm not unfit. I can run and run and yeah. run, but I mean, look at, look at the guns on Nathan and that. <laughs> yeah, well, come on, then, different. Right? Look at yours, go on. Look at that, then. Okay, now go, go and go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go and go for it. Yeah, different, different athletes, aren't we? Yes, mate. But the thing, the thing that interests me about you is your your job that you do besides boxing. Yeah. Because you're a, is it a sport development? No, I'm, just a, I'm just a teacher. Yeah, so I'm at Stafford College, and um, part of the. NSCG groups so like Newcastle College and, and Stafford College. I'm like a sports teacher, so I teach on the BTEC courses. So like from level two, level three, teacher personal trainers as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my job in the week essentially aside to yeah. boxing. That's incredible, man. Yeah. So like, I mean, like for, for for the first two years of being a professional fighter, I had to do I, I worked full time as a teacher as well as doing the professional boxing. So still train twice a day. Doing my job, my little in the home and my missus and stuff. So yeah, a lot, a lot of work. But like more recently, it's, it's I've managed to have, be able to drop it down a little bit because. So yeah, that yeah. must have been so odd because I've got a few mates that teachers and my sister was a teacher as well. Yeah. And it's like people think that a teacher works nine till three or whatever the school hours are. Yeah. And it's not. It's oh, like, it's, it's it's rough and smooth. Like some sometimes you. You can be working loads of hours all the marking and you're doing external verification and stuff and you're giving feedback and that. But then other times it is more chill, like when, when you've got your days and stuff and, and there's a bit more of a lull towards the end of the year. Like it's rough and smooth. It's a good job though. I love it. It's good. So the things that are based that you teach, because it's not just about sports. No, no, no. No, like if, if I was a PE teacher in a school, yeah. It'd probably be most likely just practical, different sports doing this and that. But for me, we have to teach all the theoretical side of stuff, so nutrition, psychology, um, biomechanics, um, anatomy. What, what I, you have to cover uh, over the two years, they'll cover like 18 different topics or whatever. There's a lot of science involved as well. Yeah, well, on the sports science sports courses, side. there is, yeah. So like, you'll do applied physiology, applied anatomy and stuff. So yeah, it just progresses as it goes along. but. Yeah, it covers all the different aspects. Theory, the, the theory takes up probably seventy percent of the course. Yeah, yeah. If you're lucky, you get the practical units. I'm unlucky, I get most of the theoretical stuff. So. Oh, that's yeah. all right. Yeah, isn't it? yeah that's not yeah. too bad. That's not too bad. But what I didn't know is how big that industry is. 
I did a bit of research. Yeah. And I found out it's it generates forty billion pound a year in the UK economy just on sports development. Oh, well, sports development. Oh, yeah, yeah sports yeah, massive. It's like, absolutely. That's why you get like with Sports England and, yeah, and so yeah, on. You get loads. They get loads of funding. They get loads of uh, funding from the from the lottery as well. It's a things linked to Sports England. Yeah. But yeah, sports sports massive in itself, recreationally and professionally. Like you only have to look at let's say for example with a like Derby with Rooney, the amount of shirts he would have sold just yeah. from the fact that he's on the back of that shirt would have yeah. been gone to the roof. And it's it's a commercial kind of thing in itself. And that's why it is worth so, so much money. Was teaching always something that you wanted to do? No, no, teaching was something that came to me really in terms of I was I was actually a student at Stafford College. I was doing a foundation degree, doing sport the balance of coaching. Um, did my first year, did alright, did good. Then second year we had like a practical um, a unit where you had to deliver something yeah. and one of the managers was actually assessing it a bit nervous like, but she was watching and um, you had to do it in front of all your peers like your classmates and that and she was like really impressed and she said afterwards have you ever considered teaching and I said no not really and then she said well say what would you do it and I said yeah and he said well do well in your final year which was the third and final year of the degree and I'll give you a placement here and I was like bloody hell so yeah, so so yeah, so follow my lap really. I'd take um, I'd say the opportunity, which the hardest I think I've ever worked in a in a educational setting in that third year, just because I wanted the first. I ended with a two one, but still, it was it was still good enough for what she wanted. So um, so yeah, Jill Moss, uh, got a big thank you to her for like giving giving me that that opportunity. That's a big achievement. That is, yeah, that is a big achievement. That's incredible as well for like young people that are in this sport and they feel like they can't do anything else. Like you're yeah, like yeah, a prime example yeah. of you it, can actually do your education while you're in Yeah, well funnily enough career. like like the the results right yesterday, um and when I left school the only GCSE results I got was art and science. I fluke science somehow, I don't know how I got a scene science, but I failed maths, failed English and failed virtually everything else. I mean I did move schools halfway through year ten, but that's an excuse. I just didn't work hard enough. Um, but and so people might look at that and think, oh well, he's still done right. And I felt, but I did have to. I went back to college straight away. as like a sixteen-year-old. I had to study maths and English again. Failed it the first year again, but the second year, I got a really good teacher called Mrs. Dempsey. I still need to write her a letter to say thank you. Like it's twelve years too late. That's but <laughs> but um, but honestly, she was the most incredible teacher I've ever, I'd ever seen. Like and she made me really enjoy English like I went from an E to a B in one year it's crazy like that's how good she did I can it was all out search amazing but but what I'm trying to say is like I failed the first time which because I didn't work hard enough but then I had to put the graft in and I, I got I passed me maths in the end I passed me English and I got a level three BTEC so back when I was 18 I come out of college with them and I love to say that like um, when I left Miss Dempsey ignited the fire for me to crack on and work dead hard in education, but I was so lazy as anything afterwards. I was lazy, lazy, like education-wise. But then when I went to Stafford College, um, I had some great teachers there. Um, and yes, and they really helped me and stuff. And, but it's all down to working. You have to work hard regardless. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you think your change was just based on the teachers that were teaching you, it was just you've realised at one point that you know what, it's down to me. It, I need to... Both. 
both so that the teacher first firstly was absolutely incredible made me love going to the college and before i had my attendance was dreadful and when my dad found out she went mad and blah 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 but anyway um but yeah it still comes down to you though in the end the accountability like because Technically, I could say, oh, I wasn't very good with maths and mentally I struggle with this and I struggle with that, which people do. Yeah. And other people find it that easy. But if you do struggle with it, it just means you need to work a little bit harder. Yeah. And so I mean, like, I don't care who you are. Like, if you struggle with maths, you struggle with English, if you put the work in, you will do okay. 100%, it's all down to effort. Yeah. See, I was, I was lazy in school. I was really lazy. Yeah, I weren't great either. To be fair, it's the same. I, Every, I think most people are lazy. The ones that, the ones that aren't lazy, are the ones that get the best grades. Yeah. But usually they love being in school. Not that I love being in school, but I was very lazy as well. Like it's, but, but I was, I still on the ice lad, so I got away with stuff at school because like the teachers didn't mind me like talking, but <laughs> uh, so they, they didn't mind me. But yeah, it's all about our work, and that's what frustrated me dad a little bit because he knew I had the potential to do it. It's just he knew I wasn't putting it in there. Yeah. So he, he always wanted me, because my dad didn't go to school and he was truant and blah, blah, blah. And he saw how hard it was growing up. He didn't want that for me. So he yeah. always, always pushed education, always. That's amazing. Obviously, I, I did a bit of research myself, yeah. as you can see. And obviously, we spoke about the education side of it already. And you started off as an amateur fighter. Mm -hmm. And see that obviously you've had 90 fights yeah so a lot of experience loving boxing a lot of wins as well at, at what at what stage is they realize i want to obviously i know it was when you was going through the thing at school where the teacher asked you do you want to become a teacher but sort of like what sort of more Maybe, maybe, made you yeah, want to do it when you was already fighting. Yeah, yeah. So originally, when I first started boxing at the age, or well, first went into boxing when I was about nine years old, uh, the reason was my dad wanted me to go in there because he knew how great boxing had been for him. He was a bit of a naughty lad when he was younger, thought he was a, the hardest bloke in, in Stoke on Trent until he went to the boxing gym and realised he wasn't and got battered. But, he, but then he dedicated himself to the sport. He had 50 amateur fights himself, was a well respected amateur big puncher but he wanted me to have the good things that he had um essentially as him as a boxer so looking after yourself the discipline and that and in it technically he forced me to go because even though i love boxing as a young kid i i did i preferred playing over the field with my mates in the summer holidays and stuff but luckily for me it was it was it was very good that um that he did make me go because as i grew up i, I always wanted to become a footballer like that was also a, I was terrible at football as a young lad, but then I, as I started dedicating myself to it in my younger teens, I, I saw it being coming okay at yeah. it. But then it got to a point that I thought, ah, after the age of 16, 17, maybe even 18, I thought it's not going to happen now. Um, but I saw Frankie Gavin win the World Amateur Championships and the first ever person to do that for England. And, and when I watched him do that as an amateur, I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to fight for England and I wanted to win medals. So that's when amateur boxing became a pure and utter focus of mine completely. Yeah. So yeah, watching, so to answer your question, my dad got me in the first place, but when it really became a passion of mine was when I was 18, 17 or 18, something like that, and I saw Frankie Gavin win the World Amateur Championships. So it was motivated by someone else. Yeah, seeing what, seeing them doing, thinking, wow, I'll, I'll, I want to do that. Like, yeah. I want to do that. And now, 
technically I didn't actually achieve I didn't actually fight for my country and stuff the way I wanted to which I should have done I should have des- I deserved to fight for my country but for whatever reason whether my face isn't fit or not um, that never happened but didn't stop me from trying my best like, you know I mean? yeah and then you were you obviously you dropped out went to become a teacher yeah 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 and you returned as a pro boxer at the age of 20 Seven. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, just yeah. Towards the last stage, twenty-seven. Yeah, that's, so that's incredible because you've gone from amateur school teacher. Yeah. And twenty-seven, you turned pro. Yeah. So how did yeah. that come about? Okay, so the goal was always to win the amateur championships, um, which in the ABAs happen once a year. You find the best kids in the country. If you win them, you're seen as one of the best, and potentially you could get signed by the big promoters at the time. At the time, it was Frank Warren was a big boy, um. So, um. I, I, my sole focus was to win them, but because I didn't win them, I never had the intention of turning pro because you'd have to do it the hard way. You'd have to start from the bottom, sell loads of tickets and blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't really interested in that. So for the two years that I was doing my teaching, I sort of sat back. My daughter was born as well. Um, so I was focusing on that, really. But then something was inside. I thought, you know what, 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 what would happen if I turned 30 years old? And I think, why didn't I turn pro? Because I was at 27 years old. I'm still within my prime. So I thought, it's either I do it now or wait. And then it's too late anyway. Because if I'm 30 and I start the journey, then I am going to be pushing it. Because by the time I make momentum, I'm probably 33. And then I'm I'm maybe passing my prime a little bit. But yeah, so I turned over with BCB Promotions, Errol Johnson. He offered me something really good um, in terms of how he's going to look after me. And the shows that he was going to put on so contrast and yeah my first my first ever fight i had i went to warsaw and i had 60 people attend which was great fantastic i mean promoters want you to probably sell more than that yeah. but that's all i could get at the time and, and it and it was amazing everyone it went and then and i just kept winning and kept winning and then it's just grown really really grown so that's amazing man you've never let sort of like the negative side of things such as the little crowds yeah. define your career. Yeah, well, well let's see. To be fair, when I first went, like I say, what, why I didn't turn pro is because when you go the hard routes, what I mean the hard routes is when you sign by Frank Warren or Eddie Earn, essentially you don't have to sell any tickets because their shows sell themselves. Yeah. And what you're paid is what you're paid in the contracts. But when you go the hard routes, essentially the way it is, you have to sell tickets. And if you don't sell tickets, you either don't fight or you don't get paid. Or you sell tickets and you cover just enough for the expenses for the show. So you fight, but you don't get paid. Yeah. Luckily for me, I was I, the 60 tickets made it, so I still got a little bit. Not much. Not much at all. It's like bloody pocket money. Yeah. But, but yeah, so... But then the next fight, it increased a little bit. And then the next fight a little bit. And, but, yeah, I never looked at it and thought, ah, oh, the crowds are too small. And I just yeah. I just focused on what I needed to do. And if you sell the 100 tickets, a promoter's really, really happy. And I think by my third fight, I was doing that. Then my second fight was roughly that. So I thought, I'm on the right way. You just don't want to lose supporters. Yeah. So, like, I could have got, I could have sold 100 on my second fight. Then my third fight, it could have gone to, um, it could have gone to, like, in 80 or 90 actually it did it went down a little bit but it was an away show in Bolton so you'd expect it to go down because you, you've got a load of travel but the benefit of that was I boxed on a Channel 5 undercard and this is where I think the turning point was for my career 
because all the Stokies, my lot, were singing Delilah on Channel 5. No one knew why, because I boxed before he went live. But then all of a sudden, Stoke Loud and Proud shared the thing the next day of me walking out the ring. And then that's where I think the little seeds got planted and different people from in the city started watching me and, and coming to me fighting. Just grew a little bit, then boom, just went out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah, but I, but, but I still had to have the consistency there. Like, it wouldn't have just happened out of nowhere. And obviously, like, you know yourself what's happened in, in over the over the, the course of my career and stuff. And, and if I hadn't progressed and taken the fights that I did, I wouldn't be in the position I am now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's, that's incredible, man. I just, from hearing, I love your mindset and I love your determination, man. It, it, it's inspiring. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird because I love it. I, I personally think everyone can have the same mindset. I personally do. Like, I'm not something special. But then but on the flip side, I look at, like, my dad, and he suffered with, like, really suffered mental health. Um, and, like, why could he... He was physically one of the strongest people I've ever met. But why could he not do what I did? But I know why he couldn't, because I've watched growing up, seeing my dad myself, and how we how we viewed certain things, certain goals... Yeah. And any deviation from those goals, that be either the perfect family or whatever it is, was like a catastrophe. Yeah. There was no, there was no fallback. It was either achieve this or or Fail. or a failure. Yeah. Whereas me, I've watched that growing up, and I've always thought to myself, for example, the boxing. I know I'm waffling on here, but it, if I lose my boxing now, boxing doesn't make me, even though it does, if that makes sense. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if I lose a boxing and my career is over while I'm a teacher, yeah. and if I'm a teacher, fantastic. And if I lose that while well, I've got something else, there's always something to fall back on. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, um, and that's the way I look at it. You've always got to have some fallback option there and be content with that as well. I've got to be content that if I lose, is a, the difference between a footballer and, a, and a, a boxer in my position is not, not that you ever want to lose, but within your contract and what you're doing, if you do lose a game, that's not the end of your career. Yeah. For me, you potentially could live and die by each fight. If I lose, my contract could go, my supporters could drop 50% yeah. and so on. So I, I, I'm I, on a, a knife edge in terms of my career, boxing-wise. Yeah. But because I know that, I know that I've got to have something to fall back on because this ain't going to last long. If I'm lucky, I'll have two years now two years of like winning titles and doing this and that so but it, even if it goes perfect and I beat everyone I've probably got two years so you've always got to have something to fall back on and that's the way that's my mindset anyway yeah that's, that's it that's a good mindset to have because I suppose if you're thinking like that it's going to affect everything it's going to be like it's going to put a positive spin on everything like your boxing matches it's, you're going to be positive going into that we're family exactly because as an amateur as well the reason why i think i never performed as well as i should have is because the focus was i need to win the abas so i get signed by frank warren so i changed my life that was what that was the the, so there was so much pressure on myself because i didn't want to work i was bloody lazy i I wanted to be a boxer i want to be a professional footballer i wanted something i wanted something for nothing essentially even i'll put the graft in but now it's different I, because I retired as an amateur, did my teaching career, and then turned pro. It's like the pressure's not there because I'm a teacher. I've got a great job. Yeah. Like it's not a massively high-paying job, but it's a great job. I enjoy it. I get great holidays. I get to spend time with my family. In the boxing, I'd literally just go in there, 
I'd give me life to the sport. I mean, and potentially you could do if you get it. But, and I will always give it everything to it. I believe I can do well. But if I don't do well, well, I know I've done my best and I've got something to fall back on. So that if I was to give any advice, you've got to look at different things to fall back on. You have to, you have to, and it brings very hard because people, some people at home now are probably on the dole, probably smoking weed, doing this, doing that, which doesn't help anyway. No. Which doesn't help anyway. Or drinking alcohol, whatever it is. And it's, it's hard to get out of that rut. It's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. But you've got to have some people around you supportive. I'm very lucky, as I say, I'm now. Sorry, I keep waffling on here, but no. like my, my missus, Amazing, my missus, for example, I don't realise how good my missus is for me. She's gone to Kent the last three days uh, with me little girl so she can see her family because she moved from Kent to be with me. Now, I thought to myself, I'm a dead tidy person. I'm dead tidy, dead organised, <laughs> this and that. And just three days away from me, missus, I realised she actually makes me tidy. She makes me organise. <laughs> she makes me do this. She, she, it does. So I'm looking, yeah. I go up in my bed's, my bed's messy. The stuff on the floor. Now, the reason it's not normal like that is because she kicked my ass. If if the, if the clothes were on the floor or dishes were left out, I'd have my ass kicked. So she keeps on top of me all the time, makes it on me. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to have someone like that. Yeah. So I'm essentially living, now the last three days, I've lived a single man's life, really. Doing what I want. <laughs> doing what I want in terms of like, leaving this and that there and staying up till late and doing it. But you, you do have to have people there yeah. helping you, telling you, listen, yeah. get your arse in gear because you're being a bit of a... Yeah, the big question is, is the house clean now? The house is spotless, mate. It's clean it's now. It's, it's, trust me. It's spotless. <laughs> no, listen, I'm, I am messy. I, I do leave stuff up. I always, I always get out. But yeah, it's the moment time it's bang on, it's spotless. Nah, that's that's amazing, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you need to do, then. Yeah. yeah. I know it is. I told her, I said, listen, I put bleach in the toilet. <laughs> I, put, I don't clean the toilets, man. But not that I'm like, she normally, she's just yeah, tiny, yeah. but I put bleach in, doing do me stuff like that. So. Oh, that's amazing, man. Like, the story is amazing. Um, one thing that I wanted to, obviously, since you turned pro, each year you had four fights. Yeah. So in two fights, apart from 2017, you had one. 2018 you had four yeah 2019 you had four and 2020 you've had one yeah i think it's just one it's one you've had one how yeah. how have you yeah like, dealt with that yeah so um put yourself in a routine and then yeah for me i think it works out roughly a fight every three months a fight every three months is perfect for me yeah and perfect for me supporters as well because one you're not fighting too many times but i fight every week but people can't afford to watch me every week so for me, I was thinking one, a fight once every three months gives people enough time to to have a lull between my fights because the t- tickets are usually like thirty five quid, which is a lot of money. Um, but people love coming. But yeah, so four fights a year is good. Um, they can take your toll on you, especially now I'm at the tar- title level and ten round level, ten round fights. The the fight itself is hard, but it's the training leading up to it. Yeah. It's, it's brutal, like he builds up every week and Steve would find me coach all in boxing club. He, he grinds me like nothing, no, like nothing, not like nothing else. But he, he's a very dedicated bloke to me and as well. He gives me everything. Um, and he and like he knows himself, if he knows he's given me everything, he's got no regrets. Yeah. Just like me, if I give everything in the boxing and I lose, I've got no regrets because I've done it all. Yeah. So I mean, I've just got my, I've just got beat. But um, but yeah, so. Three fights a year, well, four fights a year. Like I've had one fight this year. Is it just one? Is it one fight this yeah, year? Yeah, had one fight this yeah. year. Yeah, it's gone, gone quick. But yeah, it's um, 
That was the... Yeah, for the IBO title, for yeah. the IBO Consensual, yeah. And obviously the lockdown happened. So, um... Yeah, last fight was the 3rd of March, Yeah, yeah, just, be- just before lockdown. It's basically the last night title that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all built up. Mate, like winning the IBO Consensual title was great. Beautiful title in front of us. A packed out, sold out Kings Hall, which was one of my goals. Like, it used to be bloody two-thirds empty. Mm-hmm. But it was, there wasn't a single seat spare. Yeah. It was, yeah, incredible. So... It was, it was good that one of my short-term goals was, was completed. You've achieved it, man. Yeah, yeah. So far, you've done amazing. You've gone from failure, you bounce back, yeah. another failure, bounce back, yeah. another failure, bounce back. And a lot of people would give up after even the first yeah. knockdown. Yeah. And it shows what you can achieve after a failure. You've looked, you're sort of like reflected on yourself. Yeah, you just, you just got to, at the end of the day, mate, see, you, we haven't got a long year. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you... In like in terms of physical fitness as well, as like as an athlete and as you're an athlete as well, we have not very long in terms of prime. I mean, we can develop our brains for years to come because that's fine. But now we've only got a short window to look great, perform great and stuff. And yeah, it's kind of I've just always done the best to, to put me to put me all into it. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I say you do a lot for the community as well, don't you? Yeah. I, I, try, I try my I try my best. Because so you're raising money for is it, uh... Yeah, yeah, the rising stars. So it's a youth club in Stoke on Trent. Young adults with learning difficulties and stuff, and great, great, great guys. Yeah, I mean the environment down there. Once I think they do it, Abby Olsen in like a church and stuff. Took me down there. I walked in. They all just played Delilah and just like Malcolm is on like a champion. You know what I mean, and, and they're just and just beautiful people. And and Lisa Webb and Les, uh, Les Webb, who 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 I know, and they do work there. Their daughters go there and stuff, and it's just. They just got people to me, so like for me, I thought I linked with Terry Scott, who did like a T-shirt and stuff, mm-hmm. a Stoke edition, um, and yeah, they've raised, they've all sold out. So I, I, I plan to raise five hundred quid for them, five pound for a t- for each T-shirt. Yeah, and that's what's happened. So it's bloody. That was quick then, because really quick. It's so like I only saw the post. Yeah, it's a week or so incre- ago. It's incredible. Like that, the people in Stoke on Trent are, are superb. Like one for supporting me and two supporting a great cause and. I can't deny when when he said um when the bloke from Terrace called Steve he said about doing a hundred shirts, I thought hundred shirts, I'm never gonna sell hundred shirts. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna sell. Well, it's just in, it's just incredible, man. I've put on I mean I haven't even pushed it, I've put one post on. One post, yeah. Put one post and said, Listen guys, this is the deal. Then boy, everyone is just like incredible, like just, it's yeah. So you said I do a lot in the community, I don't really least everyone else that does it. I'm just like you give it the extra push. I'm just the catalyst in terms of I put the thing there. But like for my boxing gloves, I give a signed boxing glove. Someone paid three hundred and ten quid. Alex Walker and Kayla Walker, they paid three hundred and ten pounds from a boxing glove that I signed. Like yeah. I wouldn't even pay three hundred and ten pounds for Tyson Fury's gloves. You know I mean, like I, would, I, would, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. But they, but they did it because they knew it, it was going to help the Stoke Community Trust. Yeah. And like I, all I did was sign a boxing glove. They were the guys that did the work. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you said, but but just like yeah. doing that is an amazing gesture. But yeah, but ju- yeah, yeah. Really, what I did was very small. What they did was massive. But yeah. I suppose uh, using myself as a platform to to put doing those kind of things is is, is good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I think you got to give yourself credit though, because you've done a lot in terms of building your whole career, your yeah. whole life yeah. to that stage where now pair of gloves that you sign is raised yeah yes quid. yeah you've yeah. done a lot so for the community as well yeah now i appreciate it. so yeah 
you can you, you can look at it from that aspect. Like the graph that I've put in has allowed me to be in that position in for that position. to in the first place. Yeah, I've, I've never looked at that. That's what I'm I, saying. Cause yeah. you, you might think, yeah, I've not done a lot now, but then if you think about a career, you've had all the knockdowns and then the getting ups and all the things you've been through. It now allowed you to sign yeah, these gloves. Yeah. If if I'd never if I'd never done that, no one would have no one would have paid. No one would have gloves. No one would have done. In, so in I, think, that, yeah. I think you should give yourself a lot of credit. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, don't never lose sight of that. Yeah, you've got to give yourself a lot of credit. Yeah, I appreciate it. I was driving down San Matthew's Way, and I went, I I took I, I took my dad's death like that, and like I, I was a strong person, like and an opponent's nothing compared to that nothing and it's weird once i did that the nerves almost just like completely disappeared like so we yeah, so like weird and it was it because i was like hold up i'm creating this like you said you create this scenario in your brain that's causing some response it just doesn't need to be there yeah. and then when i gave it some other perspective too i was like this my dad took his own life i did this i did that and and I took that like 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 a champ, you know what I mean? Yeah. And was very strong. Why am I letting some bum, even though they're not a bum, yeah. very respectable fighters, yeah. but that's what I said to myself, why am I letting some bum make me feel like this? And as soon as I did that, I remember turning back into my street after Stanley Matthews way, I was like, it just went. It just went. Weird, weird. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that's going to help anyone else, but it just did for me. I gave, I gave a worse scenario than the fight itself. Yeah. And then it took away the anxiety. Weird, weird, but it works. So yeah, a lot of the time, or most of the times, it, it, it comes it comes from our brains, from what we tell ourselves. It's it's, it's all. It's obviously, all. I, I myself, and I'm sure Dan has suffered with mental health as well. And for myself, it was more me trying to guess what was going to happen in the future, rather than focusing on the now. Yeah. And letting the past that's was something that's already happening yeah. to me. And it was just eating me away, eating me away. And then it got to the point where I had to focus on something that I could relate that good feeling when I was playing football because at the yeah. time I weren't playing. So I had to like think back to what made me feel good when I was playing football, yeah. which was exercising, working out. So I started yeah. working at home and tried to like take my negative thoughts and just use them to just do as many presses as I could, for example, yeah. or yeah. sit-ups and slowly build my confidence up. Yeah, well, it's leads since Tyson Fury, obviously, everyone knows he's so mental. He talks about setting yourself small goals, yeah. which is the most important thing, really. Little goals here and there. What can you, what can you do to, like, I don't know, not as an athlete perspective, but just from just not everyday thing. Like, for me personally, if I wasn't boxing and I suffered mental health, I'd be doing what you guys are doing. I don't know if you do this. Why, why are you doing this? I mean, I mean, I don't know if this is the reason why you do what you're doing, but I, have to, I think I'd have to help other people to help myself yeah if you got and i'm yeah, assuming that, that, that assuming that's, that's i'm assuming that's why you're yeah. doing it oh definitely say when i first got involved with men united when it first started say there was what 20, 20 members in there when we first when craig first set yeah. up and then i joined the admin team i was helping people like through their problems then i'd go around their house if you know, they were you know thinking about killing themselves and then i'd get home i'd, I'd that sounds weird, but I'd be happy because yeah. I've helped someone. Yeah. So the next the, the next day I'd be fine. I'd have no no overthinking or no anxiety and that. But yeah, it does help me to help others. Yeah. yeah. Say I've 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 stayed away from medication. Like, there's no way I'm touching it because I've got friends that are on it. 
and it just makes them worse. So yeah. for me, it's therapy, but then helping other people is just one step higher than therapy mm. for me. It's yeah. Yeah, massively. This is like, whether it's charity work or whatever, people that don't want to do things for free. Mm-hmm. This is understandable because we've all got to work and stuff, but sometimes you, you have to do something to help others. Yeah. I think personally, whether it's coaching someone or whether it's just, just helping out at some shelter somewhere. Yeah. Something because you want to take the focus off yourself. You've got to. Because especially with mental health, the reason you've got mental health is because all you're thinking about is yourself. Yeah. It's quite a self-absorbed yeah, kind of thing. It's a self-absorbed thing. Like, I'm feeling bad. I'm doing this, which you are. You are. But if you start taking the focus away from yourself and putting it to others, I don't know, maybe that might help a little bit. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I think I was a bit different. I tried to, like, I was the other way around. I was more about my friends all the time. Yeah. And then because I hear a wall. Yeah. And then my friends sort of disappeared. So I felt so like lonely. And then I thought my friends were everything I had. What was going on back then was everything I had. Now I've got no point of being here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I started working then on myself. I started to like get focused on what made me happy. Yeah. Focus on what I enjoyed doing. Yeah, and then now that I've got in this position where I know what makes me happy, I know my purpose, I know my why, and what you just said about helping others, I happily help anyone now without any. Like, I don't want anything from that. If I'm yeah. helping you, if I'm helping anyone, I don't want anything back. Exactly, and, that, and that, I think that links back to what you were saying just over your friends, because you almost would have been wanting something back. Yeah. Because so when they did disappear, the issue was. That you were relying on that. Yeah. So they're going, where is it if 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 you're not and you and you're helping people without trying to be reciprocal and getting something back for them, what you get back from them is just the the fulfillment in that you're yeah. Like you do need strong people around you. I've got very good friends around me. Liam, Dan, Jordan, my best my best pals and stuff in Bamford and I've I've got a very small circle of very close friends, but I've got a very big massive circle of of good good pals and stuff that I've met through the boxing and football and stuff. So you, you just have to just you have to analyze something but everything. But again, the issue with mental health is people analyze too much. Yeah. So it's fine yeah. the, the happy medium. Very hard to do. I'm very lucky. I've bloody created my own stuff growing up and watching my dad go through it and I've saw what he did wrong and what I can not I'm not I'm no perfect guy, so I mean but but I've watched what he's done. And then try to learn from that. Yeah, you, you gain something obviously out of tragic, tragic moment yeah. and situation. You gain something sort of positive that you can move forward, especially having yeah. a young, young child. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like from the age twelve years old was when I first ever saw it. So I've had it for a very, I've seen it for a very, very long time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but but nah, all good. Quite message. a lot of respect for you, man. Nah, respect you too. Yeah, respect, respect you down. Respect all lads at Man United, all the work they're doing and. It's, it's it's great mate if it helps people it helps people I mean that's the most important thing is well that's it the idea was that if it helps just one guy yeah yeah it's helping hundreds so take credit to the admin team as well on the background of men unite on the group and that because that's 24 7 like doing an incredible team. job so yeah incredible job so yeah thanks for stopping by today mate. Mate. it's been a, an absolute pl- pleasure 
Excellent.